1: what's up fungal associates welcome to completely arbitrary the podcast about trees and other related topics i am one of your hosts my name is alex Croson, and i am sitting across
2: from casey Clapp, another host of this lovely podcast we call completely arbitrary that's right hi casey hi alex how are you
1: i'm doing quite well thank you
2: i'm very happy to hear that
1: and are you also doing quite well?
2: I am also doing quite well. We're we're talking about a tree today that is uh, near the Middle East, mm-hmm. and I'm listening to a podcast about Rome, as I always do. Yes. And uh, so I'm just like looking at a map here, uh, showing off the you know the world around the Mediterranean, and and then further outreaches of it. It's a very fascinating thing. How about that? The whole thing's very fascinating. Yeah,
1: well, we hope we uh, we have a fascinating tree to talk about today.
2: Oh boy, do we! Now, Alex, um, before you go any further, yeah. I think you should actually pronounce it "tree" with quotes.
1: Oh, another
2: tree. Yeah. So uh, you might recall, years ago, uh, it was more like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. We decided that we were going to do not one, not two, uh-uh. maybe three trees that are
1: trees. Yeah. Sorry, everybody.
2: Yeah, you thought you got away with that one. Nope,
1: not today. (laughs) This is how our our podcast empire dies.
2: This is the (laughs) beginning of the end. Yeah, this is. Yeah, everyone's going to just stop listening. Like, I was listening to a tree podcast, then it became a monocot podcast, and I'm just not into that.
1: Yeah, who who would be? Casey, before we even talk about any of that shit, we have something exciting to share.
2: Yes, let's share it.
1: We have a new t-shirt. Bam! It is on our merch page, arbitrarypod.com slash merch. It is called the Douglas Fir Tea. Mm,
2: yep. It's a
1: very uh, a very loose pun on Douglas Fir tree.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think loose is the only way to describe that pun. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's meandering.
2: It is. It is.
1: Uh, it was designed and illustrated by Leanne Flug, who is a common a common co conspirator of ours. Mm-hmm. Incredible artist. It's going to be printed at Icon Artistry by Connie in here in Portland. Uh, And it's for it's for sale. It's for pre-sale right now. It is.
2: Everyone can go get it. It is. uh, It's out of the. It's out of left field because it is not in our standard off white tan uh, color scheme. That's right. It's like you can get it in. Are we doing two colors? Just one color? Two
1: colors. There you go. Vintage black, Mm -hmm. which is kind of an off black. And a dark olive, which is a nice dark muted green.
2: Yeah, it's really beautiful. The colors, the colors, and the design all done together. Yeah, no accidents here.
1: No, no, no. This was all on purpose. Yeah, it's all yeah. part of our plan.
2: Yeah, and uh, I'm really excited about it, Alex. I think it's it's one of our more beautiful pieces that we've put together. I think
1: I agree, Casey. It's a very it's a very beautiful shirt. Uh, we hope that people will be proud to wear it. So here's how this how how this sort of works. We are the the pre-sale will be open until June 30th. So buy your shirt before June 30th. Yep. On July 1st, we're going to place the order for the T-shirts. That's right. And they'll be shipped out to people who bought them uh, late July.
2: Yeah, I would guess, because I, I, I think you know it takes time to do all these things, but yeah. we didn't want to buy too many. We didn't want to buy too few. And uh, we also wanted to make sure that anyone who wanted one could get it <clears> so that we would make sure to get all of our order right.
1: That's right. Yeah, last time we made t-shirts, we ran out within two days.
2: Yeah, it was a lot. That was unexpected.
1: <laughs> yes, to say the least. Uh, so we're
2: trying, to, we're trying to avoid that this time.
1: Yeah, we're learning from our our, our uh, past here. Yeah. And uh, so we have unlimited stock as of yet. Correct. And then when we close the presale, we'll order that many shirts. And we'll send them out to you. So get your presale order in as soon as you want uh, before the 30th of June. That is right. Casey. Yes, sir. We have a cool tree to talk about today. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to use quotes around this tree.
2: Whoa, you're not going
1: to. No, I'm just going to call it a tree because oh I think we should retire that gimmick. You think so? And come up with a new one. All
2: right. All right. That's fine. I get it. Okay, whatever.
1: Um. So this is the dragon blood tree. More specifically, the Socotra dragon blood tree. Thank you. Uh, Latin name.
2: Yeah, you got this.
1: <clears throat> Give me one moment here. Yes. I just need to say it in my head a couple times. Yep, get it done. Drakena Cinnabari.
2: Yes, that is it. Now, I, Alex, I will note, you did do the Greek uh, pronunciation of this word. The hard C. The hard C, rather than what a lot of people would say is Dracena. Dracena. Cinnabari. Okay. I think it's fair to say either one is okay.
1: In roughly translated, dragon
2: cinnamon. Yes, yeah, that is kind of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse me, Dragon right. Cinnabon. Yeah, Dragon Dragon Cinnabon. Thank you. I was going to correct you that you can only get this in your local mall <laughs> or uh, or a, a stop in the middle of a parkway in uh, the New English area.
1: You know, Cinnabon is really missing out on a great marketing campaign. They here. really are. Alex, did Red you- Red know, icing.
2: <laughs> the Dragon Cinnabon. Uh-huh. You heard that here. If that ever comes down, we are going to claim first right. Yeah. Did you have you ever had a Cinnabon? Do you like it?
1: Yes. To the first question, no to the second oh, question.
2: Oh <laughs> man. When I was younger, I, I think actually one time my mom got them for me for a, a birthday cake.
1: Oh wow. I love
2: them so much. That's they amazing. They're so good. I would try and get one every time I went to the mall. I of just course. Loved
1: it. yeah, they're they're incredible. But I, I, I say no, I don't like them only so I won't eat them. Yeah, okay. Um that's fair. because they are like seventeen thousand calories per bun. It's they're they're crazy unhealthy.
2: Yeah, and that's without the frosting. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. that is right. We're talking about the Cinnabon tree today, and it's going to be Yummy. delicious. There's this, our new gimmick. This whole episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Casey, let's imagine as we do every episode that you and I have taken a little trip to the island of Socotra.
2: Yes, let's do it. So off
1: the coast of Yemen. I yes. was just
2: going to say, please tell us a little bit about the island. Do you know anything about it?
1: I uh, know it's uh, it's in the Indian Ocean. Yes. It is the endemic birth home Of the dragon blood tree that we are talking about today. Correct. The Cinnabon tree.
2: The Cinnabon tree. Uh, Let's imagine you and I are there.
1: (laughs) We come across some of these Cinnabon trees. You try to take a bite, and I go, Casey, no, no, no. You're misunderstanding. They're not actual cinnabon. Oh, shoot. Damn. Um, Casey, let's ID this tree.
2: Uh, oh, Alex, I love us.
1: I'm the one, I, by the way, that, that idea doesn't make any sense because I would be the one to try to take it back <laughs> in the canon of our show. No,
2: no, 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 I'm no. the dumb
1: fat guy. That
2: is not, just <laughs> nine on the branch of a tree. Alex, get out of here, get out of here. Oh my God. Respect yourself.
1: Well, I got to be careful with that. We'll talk about that in
2: Croson's Home Room up Yeah, we sure will. So, again, this is a tree, Alex, that should have quotes around it. Sure. Because it is a monocot. Aha! That is, of course, a tree that has one embryonic seed leaf that comes out as opposed to two, which is a dicot, a dicotyledon.
1: Right. Most of your trees, what we call trees, sans quotation, are going to be dicots. Exactly right. Okay.
2: So, uh, the other things that have to do with this, uh, is that a monocot generally does not have secondary growth, which means it doesn't put on those rings and it doesn't have, um, the meristematic cambium tissue on the outside that's slowly getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. Um, the other things that is important to note is that the monocots tend to have adventitious roots that just start at the bottom so they don't have those reticulated roots in branching patterns mm-hmm. generally speaking. Um, but remember the last episode I brought up that there are there's a a fuzziness, a fuzzy distinction between monocots and dicots where they used to think there's just hundred percent one and hundred percent the other right. It turns out that that is not the case, and so we're covering this tree, A, because when we start talking about it, how can you resist talking about this tree? It's incredible.
1: Yeah, we actually, Casey, I don't know if you remember this. When we were brainstorming for this podcast, uh-huh. nigh in December of 2019.
2: Uh, We were so Excuse young. me,
1: 2020.
2: I was going to say, yeah, wrong. Yeah.
1: December 2020, you and I were talking about all the trees we wanted to cover. We just made a big master list. Do you remember yeah. this? Oh, I do i included the dragon blood tree
2: i remember that yes
1: because it was so odd and fascinating to me and
2: i had to break it to you it's not a tree
1: yeah yeah so we can never cover it
2: exactly look at us now here we
1: are (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> much like any creative uh endeavor we we uh we ran short of ideas and we've circled back to
2: Whoa, <laughs> wow alex not a chance
1: i know there are Jeez. only oh there are only like eight thousand more literal trees that we could cover there's a lot we just wanted to do this
2: yeah honestly yeah this is actually and a lot of people have requested it they said do the dragon blood yeah tree. we want to talk true. about it um, but we were like, well, you know, we don't want to make too many enemies out there talking about too many trees. Right. However, I will stand, before we get into some of the the specifics about this tree, that this, it, this is the tree that fuzzies that line between wow. monocots and dicots. Fascinating. Casing. So it is a tree that, unlike most of the... Uh, monocots, it actually has a kind of secondary growth.
1: This it's, is very cool.
2: It's very interesting how it does it. It's kind of it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it, it it happens.
1: Is this the missing link?
2: It's kind of the missing link. Or at least it's 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 more showing that there is a missing link somewhere. Okay. And that this tree's like, no, I still got it. Like uh, all those other things? Yeah, I can still do it. I didn't
1: lose it. It's the implication of a missing link.
2: Exactly. That is it. this is an implication of a missing link.
1: Wow. At, of a tree. Well tell me more about these rings.
2: Yes. So basically this tree is is a fascinating monocot because it grows and then branches right so what's curious about this branching this this formation the habit of the tree Mm. is that it has it has its very own name it's called dracoid habitus dracoid habitus yeah doesn't that sound pretty cool
1: wow so that is the wait that's the name of the branches of the dragon
2: blood tree not so much the branches but the branching pattern of the tree oh okay so Most monocots, uh, like all the palms, not all the palms, most of the palms, they generally just have that one single meristematic bud on the very top that then grows out and keeps putting out new leaves and growing straight up or kind of often wiggly or whatever it is. Right. But there's just one of them. Every now and then you can get palms that will split and have two. Every now and then you'll get some that have many stems and they just kind of pop up. Every now and then there's a branch. The Joshua tree is a great example where it actually branches. However, the Dracaena tree, or Dracaena tree... Mm does that but what happens is it grows up with a single main trunk Right. that trunk every now and then will get new vascular bundles that develop on the outside and because of that it will slowly get bigger because it's basically creating these new bundles on either side they're not adventitious roots there's another species um, that is Drachina drogo and that one or Drago is uh,
1: Wow, Casey. That
2: was a loud machine.
1: Yeah, these motorcycles out here on Sandy Boulevard are just... Just a lot. So upsetting.
2: So there's another species, Drachina drago, which will actually have adventitious roots that grow down from old branches. Remind me what adventitious roots are? Adventitious roots are roots that grow from seemingly a a dormant bud. So they're just hanging out, then all of a sudden this root just kind of says, I'm just going to grow out and they I, pop okay. out from some place that is not an already existing route I feel like some of my
1: houseplants do that.
2: Yeah, they, they probably do, where there's just a root that kind of pops out from some node way up high in the branches. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That's an adventitious root.
1: That's different from aerial, like the aerial roots of the fig or the banyan, um, right? I
2: think you could probably call them all adventitious roots, okay. where when they happen way up in the canopy, they call them aerial roots. When they happen way down at the bottom, they call them prop roots, like the um, mangles, the uh, mangrove tree. Oh,
1: yeah. But those are all adventitious.
2: Yeah, more or less. Where okay. a non-adventitious root would be a root that starts from the radical, and then from that radical becomes a- another root that comes off of another root that comes off of another another root. Yeah, just like uh, any other normal tree that we have. But then. Um, Some trees, this is actually a fun example, the western red cedar, Uh if the western red cedar gets some decay and that decay turns uh, into a cavity, that cavity then fills with some amount of soil and detritus that then also decays and turns into soil, that western red cedar will send out adventitious roots into that new soil from inside the tree. Whoa. Yeah, it's pretty wild. That's cool. So Adventitious roots are basically roots that grow from not another root, essentially. They, they say, hey, this would be a good place to have roots, and then they just pop a root out from a, a dormant bud somewhere.
1: I say we, we change the name. All right, what do you think? Because Adventitious... The more I say it and hear it, I'm like, that's not a word. Oh,
2: wow. I love that word.
1: I think we should make it adventurous.
2: Ah, okay. Yeah. Adventurous roots.
1: Which is almost the same thing.
2: Yeah. It's like a root that's like, I'm going to go explore. And then yeah. pops out. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. I think that's fair. Wonderful. So, um this other species has, it looks like it gets bigger because new vascular bundles grow down and make it look like it's getting bigger, which it, it is, but it's more just like a million different roots kind of piled together. Um, for our tree, the, uh, the dragon blood tree that grows on Socotra Island, that one doesn't actually do that adventitious rooting bit. It will actually just create little vascular bundles that kind of slowly get bigger and bigger. Then it'll create some more. Then it creates some more. Then it creates some more. And it slowly gets bigger. Now, Alex, as it does this, it grows up, and then it flowers from that single that single stem. Uh-huh. When it flowers from that single stem, it then sends off two or one shoot left and right or from underneath that stem so in that first flower it's a terminal flower that comes up there the flowers can be a little uh yellow a little white and they have these um they're very fragrant and they end up making mm. these little like fleshy berries that kind of turn black over time interesting and they do this about once every four years or so or maybe i've seen things to say uh like 10 years up to 15 years like they kind of flower at different Intervals probably based on the climate.
1: Are those still con- are those considered like mast years?
2: You know, I don't know if I would quite go mast years okay. because I think a mast year there's low and there's high. Right. Well, whereas there's there's always like some amount with these. I think it's just like they grow in such dry habitats uh-huh. where they have to build up enough water and energy. And then boom, they put out their flowers. Okay, it's and, like
1: all or nothing. It's it, not yeah, like exactly. every year they grow something. Yes, precisely. Okay. Yeah. Cool.
2: So as these flowers come out, um, then they turn into these fruits, but but then that apical, um, that apical bud ends up dying and then two dormant shoots from the side or just mm. two shoots pop up and they go left and right. So now you have a Y okay, with these two heads on it. Then each one of those, now you have two, each one of those will then at some point bloom and then, or if they get eaten or something, you know, anything like that, buds and new sprouts come from the side. Those then go either one or two and it's generally always one or two. Hmm. So then if you see this happening, you get what is uh, why they had to describe this very specific term, Dracoid habitus, which is essentially the habit of a Dracaena plant. Oh. It grows up, and it does essentially a fractal pattern where you grow with one splits to two. Now, each one of those two then split to another two. Right. Then you have a Y on top of a Y on top of a Y, so on and so forth. And the thing about them that gives them that really cool shape, if you give them enough time, and they develop, as they grow out, they only put their leaves, and their leaves are these really long, slender um, leaves that look a lot like a yucca, where they come out, they have a pointed tip, they're kind of a dark green, maybe an inch or two wide, and they have um, very pointed tips, and they only maybe get I think uh, maybe a foot or almost a foot and a half long. Like they're not gigantic leaves. Are these
1: pretty uh thick? Um, sort yeah, of t- like almost like succulent type leaves. Yeah,
2: not thick like succulent, more leathery like a like a yucca or magnolia. Um, um, yeah, a little bit like that, but they're they're more fibrous than that. Okay, where if you go and touch <clears throat> the tip, they'll probably be really pokey. If you bend them, they'll kind of give you some resistance. They might just snap on you. Oh, and wow. they are really long inside of whippy, you know. Okay, and they have all these veins that are again parallel, which is a monocot, um, uh, a call a hallmark for a monocot. Mm. But then they only grow it on the tips of their youngest branches. There's no, there's no like last year's growth. The year before that's growth. It's only the tips of the youngest twigs. Is it deciduous? It is, but it loses its leaves in mass, all in block, as it said, Uh. every about four years, and then it grows new ones. Wow. Same year, so it only holds them for about three, four years, drops them all and then puts on a new flush of growth that same season.
1: Okay, so the same season that it grows its flowers, it'll, be, it'll, it'll shed its leaves? I don't
2: think so. I okay. think that it could be a different time. So it could flower and then send up new buds. Um, but I don't know that it flowers and then just maintains those leaves for a while and right. then drops. I, I, I'm not sure about that. That's a good question.
1: That's okay. Casey, um, so, okay, let me recap a bit. Yeah. There is this growth pattern... On the top of a dragon blood stem.
2: Uh, yes.
1: Um, it is it is what we look at as tree lovers and would, would maybe casually call branches. Yes. Um, but they are vascular bundles, technically?
2: Correct. They okay. are vascular bundles that are, for all intents and purposes, very strong, And but they're not woody in the same way that a branch of an oak tree is woody. Right. Yes.
1: Which is curious because... I've seen cross sections of the stem Uh of a dragon blood tree. Mm -hmm. And not only does it have the sap, which we'll talk about here in a moment, but... It looks like wood grain.
2: Yeah, it kind of does, and those are just uh, wood grain. Is essentially vascular bundles that are just really tightly packed, but they're ordered in a very particular way. Right. Whereas this, the order is is somewhat haphazard. It it doesn't follow the same patterns and development that wood normally would. I see. Yeah,
1: wood, normally would <laughs> normally would like uh, <laughs> Pinocchio when he turns into a real boy, he's normally wood.
2: <laughs> Thank you, you get it. Now he's something different.
1: Yeah, now he's made of flesh and blood. Yeah, hey, speaking of blood, Casey, let's talk about the sap of this tree. Okay, I'm excited,
2: Alex. It's such a weird, weird thing. Have, have you Googled this? Have you given it any, oh, any
1: good look? Long before this <laughs> podcast was even an inkling in our minds. Okay,
2: Well, for whatever reason, I, I guess it has a, a high content of maybe um, iron in it. Sure. That gives it this, this red color when it comes out of the stem and, and oxygen hits it. And it gives it, obviously, its name, but the name itself is is just saying, it's, it, it has these mythical proportions to it. Mm. But for all intents and purposes, it's just resin the same as it, rubber trees emit this white, rubbery resin. Yeah. And then other trees will, you can cut into them and they can like put out a purple color or a brown color or whatever it is. A lot of times we just see it as clear. If it's a pine tree, it usually starts clear, but then kind of gets really clogged Cloudy as it darkens and hardens and mm-hmm. things like that. So it is this elixir that people have used, and you can get it from now a lot of different trees. There's some other species. There's species from uh, South America. So right now, let me see. There's there is one which is the East Indian dragon's blood tree, which is Daemonocarpus draco.
1: What a name!
2: Yeah uh Sokatr- or the the socotran or zanzibar dragon's blood which is the one we're talking about decinabari canary dragon's blood which is the one we talked about for a second which is Dracina draco then there's also the west indian one which is a different thing called terocarpus and then there's the mexican dragon blood tree which is croton and there's a couple other croton gene or croton mm. species so there's a lot of weird, weird things, but they all have this one thing in common, which is a red resin, which is, for all intents and purposes, sap. Okay. That's
1: all it is. This is my question. Is there a difference between resin and sap? If so, what is it? What is resin? Uh, I know what sap is. Yeah. What is resin?
2: I think resin is is probably more the the product that you get of sap. So resin also oh. was used in making shipping things way back in the day. Okay. Where you take resin from pine or cedar and you would you would rub it on the ship and it would essentially create a lacquer and that would make it waterproof and also decay resistant because that's what the tree does. It puts out this sap to make itself not decay to fight off different uh, insects and different uh other maladies that would come sure. into it, you know.
1: uh So resin is is like that. Is like well, I know as a former cellist. Yeah. I know resin as a little little cube, little uh, rectangular cube uh-huh. of resin, and you take your bow, your your violinists and violists and all bowed instruments do this, and you yeah. and you run it along the resin, ah. and it comes off onto the horsehair strings. Or onto the horsehair uh, uh, bow bow string, you okay, know? yeah, and then you you play it on your string on your cello strings. It um, increases uh, friction. Oh, and uh, makes it more resonant. And, I was gonna say,
2: yeah, yeah. I don't um, know if there's a pun on that, or not a pun, but I don't re- know if that's oh
1: resin that comes
2: to get together there.
1: Yeah, let's workshop it later. Yeah, we'll do later. later.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I bet you the um, the it's a similar thing where the resin itself is like this sticky substance, right? Yeah. So that would make sense that it's increasing the friction because it's stickier, and that's what it does. Is it's this very viscous fluid that comes out when you wound the tree which the tree is wants it to be sticky because it doesn't want it just to flow away it wants it to coagulate the same way that our blood does so as soon as it hits air it kind of dries and hardens and seals off whatever wound Ah. uh, that tree has just taken it's very
1: clever um, yeah. So yeah, cello, cello and string instrument. It's like a little, it's like a hard little cube. Yeah.
2: You know? I wonder if um, it is uh still like tree. I wonder if it used to be tree resin that they would just go pop off, like wound a tree, get a big globule, pull it off and then just rub it on their bow. I'm almost positive. That is so fascinating. I had no idea. Alex. Yeah, there you go. Well, that is what it is. So I believe resin is essentially just the product that you get, which is sap, or it's the dried sap, that kind of thing.
1: I think a dry, saying it's dried is key because I was going to say, well... In the for- in the same cadence as is a hot dog a sandwich, yeah. <laughs> is maple oh. syrup resin?
2: <laughs> yes, it would be. I think that that is a very fair thing to do. Yeah. It just doesn't dry because it doesn't get, uh, I guess it does. If you just keep on taking the moisture out, you can make those little maple candies. Oh, things. sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You're maple right. candy is there uh, resin. There you it's go. It's one of my favorite. Yeah. Hey, give me some of that maple resin.
1: Oh, Casey's a maple freak. <laughs> you bet I am. Remember when we got that huge box of maple-y things? Yes, I do. Hannah got us that. Oh, Hannah got us. Yeah. Oh, my God. I completely forgot that was Hannah. That was in the early days of you guys dating. That was, yeah. Wow. And then
2: uh, we had other people send us candies and a bunch of other maple things, too.
1: That was such a fun evening. It was
2: one of the best uh, exciting things. We tried so many maple things. We had so many comments about people saying, stop chewing and drinking maple <laughs> syrup on Mike."
1: We haven't taken a shot of syrup in a while, and I miss, I miss that. You
2: know, me too, Alex. As a premise. Yeah, yeah. We should do that. <laughs>
1: Casey, how about some homegrown trivia? All right. Let's do it, Alex. Uh, sorry for the, the change in mood here. <laughs> I want to give a, a gentle trigger warning to uh, anybody listening who has experienced uh, a miscarriage.
2: Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm.
1: we're going to talk about that a tiny bit. It's relevant to the tree, I promise. Yes. Um, so maybe hit that skip forward button a couple times, and and you'll and you'll be uh, in in the next section here, if that will be upsetting to you. Um, Casey, the big find of the day. My jaw dropped. Yeah. When I read this, that dragon blood resin, I believe, uh-huh. is considered a fashioned.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. I'm not
1: completely sure I'm pronouncing that right. I had
2: to take a second and be like, "What did he say exactly?"
1: Abortive fashion. Yes. Um it induces miscarriage.
2: Wow. Yeah. So you would take that if you if you essentially were like I I don't want this child or for whatever reason something happened.
1: Yes. That well, you would
2: induce it yourself.
1: Yes. I suppose maybe the, maybe the language is important there. Maybe it induces abortion yes. as opposed to miscarriage. I think miscarriage uh is is like something you don't want.
2: Yeah, that would be something that just happens, I suppose. Yeah, right, as opposed to something that was done particularly
1: correct. Yeah. Um. So that's enough about that, Casey. Yeah, there we go. Uh, the dragon blood tree and sap and resin uh, are used for. I don't know, a million different things. I think
2: that's at least rounding down.
1: For it. <laughs> what, more than a million?
2: Yeah, I think it's more than a million. <laughs> there is, I mean, it's everything from ulcers, antimicrobial, anti-diarrheal, anti-inflammatory, anti-diabetic, anti-cancer. It's got it all.
1: The leaves are used as a carminative. The root is, u- is good for rheumatism. Um, I might start taking that. I've got some achy joints. Yeah, definitely do. Uh, it is... Um, one of those trees we've talked about a couple, I forget, like sassafras, I guess, was also like this. Um, that is just sort of a catch, a whatever ails you, yeah, take you, your dragon blood, you got it, yeah, it's going to be taken care of. What do you think it is about a tree like that? Well, that, uh,
2: I have an idea, okay. So, yeah. I have some other trivia here, Alex, is where the name, uh, or rather, where the trees come from. So, if you're familiar with, as a, as we brought down or, or talked about, right, at the very beginning, it grows over on the an island which is off of the horn of Africa, yeah, uh, south of Yemen and east of Somalia. Right. Now that area, this entire section of the world, is. Not to say that the rest of the world is not just as old, but if you think about the the mythos that has come in and followed the Western world around, yeah. it's really centered in this area. A yes. lot of the major tri- uh, religious traditions and everything. So we we have a lot of the myths that have come down to us from this area. The home of civilization.
1: Yeah, as the they call it. of yeah, civilization. Uh, we should
2: certainly put a, a quote around civilization if we're going to do it around tree. And... Fair enough. The In this case, Alex, um, it's kind of on an interesting thing. And in, in the species um, used to grow all the way up into Germany and southeast Russia, southwest Russia. Oh, wow. And there are still species that grow all over the place. But the big arboreal runs ones grow kind of around the Mediterranean. And... This made it so that it had not only a myth from Greece, where it was involved in the, uh, or it came from the dragon that was slayed in Hercules' 11th labor. Uh. Uh, what was it? Um, Landon, or Laodon, Lo- Ladin? Aladdin. it was aladdin now it was either landon or laden i've heard I, i've read both okay and it was an 100 headed dragon that hercules slayed damn um or was killed by atlas one of the two we're not sure if atlas was just like you suck and then killed it because he didn't take care of these three apples that the hesperides is that it were uh heaven i always I, pronounce that wrong i say hesperides
1: oh yeah hesperides would yes. be the greek no, pronunciation.
2: nice sh- so uh so they uh hercules was trying to get these apples and he slayed this dragon the dragon's blood spilt across the the ground Mm -hmm. and then from where that blood soaked into the ground grew the dragon's blood tree so that is what the greeks would say however there's also a myth from the further east which is um based in india and it said according to this indian legend a fierce battle uh took place and it was a dragon representing the God Brahma and in that bit, an elephant that was representing the God Shiva, it drank its blood. And then as the elephant fell on the ground, it crushed the dragon, thus mixing the blood together. And then from that sprouted the dragon's blood tree. How about that? So it's a, it's an ancient and a mythical thing, not to mention because the tree has the look and the appearance of all intents and purposes looking like human blood. Way back then, with these cultures, their spiritualness and their sort of religiosity made things and omens like that really intense. Sure. So then they started using this tree and using this sap for everything under the sun and so it got these uh this reputation Mm. for being it can solve anything like you know in in all these magic traditions and shaman and things like that it was like hey go get me the the sap of the dragon's blood tree and then that will solve your ailment you know what I mean?
1: So this is a bit like uh, the dad in my big fat Greek wedding, how he puts he's he uses Windex on everything.
2: Yes, okay. <laughs> okay. That's that's exactly what this is. Thank sort of you. psychologically it works. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You you gotta figure it out. <laughs> oh, no. It is it so I don't know that's for sure, and there's a lot of studies that have showed actually, yeah, this this really does do uh, Sure. it does this, it does that, and there's there's a lot of different science that has been done on it.
1: I have no doubt that it does you know help with some of these things for sure i have some doubt that it helps with all of these things yeah and that it probably like you know uh, you take it for your stomach but uh you know if your stomach feels better your joints don't hurt as much because there's right? less inflammation so oh it helps your joints too exactly yeah now,
2: here alex why risk of getting too off topic oh boy uh if we are when uh, we when we announce it that's how you really <laughs> that's know you're like oh get worried. that's bad uh, but think about the um, those implications where there's a lot of people, I just read a study, we talked about coffee earlier from the New York Times. Mm. Well, those of you who have read it, high five, we're all in it together here. Coffee, apparently, like you live for significantly longer if you drink coffee. Okay. Like one to two or one to three cups a day. And they're like, they said, Hey, we don't know. This is literally just a correlative study. There's could be that other health things that these people do who drink coffee lead them towards this other thing or not drinking other stimulant like drinks like Red Bull, which have a bunch of sugar and all these different chemicals in it. Yeah, Those are not as good as you are good as coffee. So this could be: Hey, maybe you're drinking a lot of wine. You start feeling really horrible all the time, and they say instead of drinking wine, take the dragon's <laughs> blood three, uh, tree twice a day yeah. for two weeks. And you do that, you feel great. And you're like, yeah, it solved my whatever. And it's like, well, no, you just stopped doing this other thing. Yes. You know? Who knows?
1: Yeah, man. I, I like thinking- I like that idea.
2: So, either way, you know, I think the point is here, it works, and that is what gives it its magic. Yeah. So, it's a magical tree, and it has been for centuries and millennia.
1: You can't argue with the results.
2: You can't argue with them, Alex.
1: And here's one more result, Casey. We've been talking so long that we need a break.
2: Yeah, we got to go drink some water.
1: More Completely Arbitrary right after this. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary Casey. Today we're talking. I need to look over at my computer every time I need to say <laughs> the full name. Yeah. The Socotra Dragon Blood Tree. Yep. Of Socotra the Island. Yep. Um, there is one one little baby. A little baby sprout of Ho- Croson's homegrown trivia. Ah, okay, that I you know, neglected to talk about. Move
2: the move the soil around a little bit. See <laughs> what we got. It's like
1: the like the the flower in the boot okay. in, in Wally.
2: Oh yeah, yes.
1: Um, and it's of specific interest to me because starting in the 18th century, dragon blood resin was used. Speaking of stringed instruments, as a varnish. Yes. For violins. Interesting. More specifically for Stradivarius violins. Ooh.
2: The best I of the see. best yes, Casey. Yes, I've, I've heard quite a bit about this. Of they're
1: Stradivarius. They're pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> hey, that sounds pretty good.
2: I mean, I would love the idea of someone be like, "I have a Stradivarius violin. It is varnished with dragon's blood." Yes, and then have them like play something really intense and like have a thunderstorm come in.
1: The Game of Thrones theme. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow,
2: that would be beautiful.
1: Yeah, so that was our that was our little uh, that was our little flower in the boot.
2: Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's a great idea. Whatever we add in is just a flower in the boot. Man, it's just a flower in the yeah, boot, just a brother. Flower in the boot, babe. All right, Alex, so uh, what we're talking about today um, is essentially just this tree, but more specifically, last week, we talked, as I noted earlier, the about monocots versus dicots. What right. That, what does that exactly mean? So this week, I think we're going to kind of keep going a little bit um, on that. Okay. And kind of talk about what makes this tree specifically different, and- it's really that we just talked about their um, their their growth habit, where most of the time you have all these trees that are doing the same, thing they they are trees they grow up they are dicots they have wood that grows out and they have all those attributes that make something a dicot right and then there's the monocots they have just that single leaf that comes up they don't get any wider they have that one tall thing that uh shoots up they don't branch and they only have these vascular bundles right so in this case the dragon blood tree like it shirks all that it's like I don't need this. I don't even want to, uh, I, I can't just grow straight up. Yeah. And this is an interesting thing that happens with almost all of the, the plants that grow in really dry, dry, desert-like areas. Hmm. Um, the great example is the umbrella um, thorn that we talked about in our world tour years ago.
1: Yes, the draves.
2: Yeah, and then we also talked about um, talked about this with a couple other dry trees that just grow really low. Some oak trees do this, where over here in the Great Pacific Northwest, we have trees that grow straight up. They get really tall, and they pump water from the ground up 200 300 feet into the air yeah it's a whole system of of tubes that are taking that water in and around the the whole rest of the tree pretty cool as they get 200 feet tall there is still enough moisture in the air that either some of them like if you're a redwood they actually suck in some of that moisture straight from the air Mm. um, through their leaves Others are always taking it up from the ground, but there's enough moisture in the air that their leaves are not getting just sucked dry. So the water that's coming up is just this very intense continual flow. Um, It's more that there's, you know, it gets hot. So when those leaves get hot, they close their stomata. They don't let any more water out or at least a very, very small amount of water as they're doing photosynthesis and things. So essentially what I'm saying is that because you have more moisture in the air, you can be 200 feet tall and you don't have to worry about desiccating, which is just drying out. Mm. Whereas if you are in a deserty area, the higher you get, the more work you have to do or the more water is sucked out of your leaves. Does that make sense? Say that one more time. The higher that you get, the more water is sucked out of your leaves.
1: In the desert.
2: In the desert. Because
1: the sun is hotter. Um, or the 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 air is hotter.
2: Yeah, because and there's also more air going by, so you have right. the the wind is coming through and just like sucking you dry. So it's just like if you go out and you're in wind, you are constantly getting cooled because you're you're basically getting your moisture right sucked out of your skin. It's just drying really quickly. Uh-huh. This happens the same way with leaves. Okay, so if a tree is growing up, it has to a pull more water from the ground higher. So that's that's just a, a time thing. We have more more water is coming up because you have to have more water go higher. Does that make sense? Yes. So, li- <laughs> you no, know, you're just you're just staring. But I can't, there's a reflection, so I can't see your eyes very well. So I'm like, Alex, are you are you still there?
1: <laughs> I might as well be wearing uh, sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking my ref- I'm taking my very reflective glasses off so you Thank can you. see my eyeballs.
2: Oh my god, Alex, <laughs> I've never seen him so clear. Um, so essentially, uh, instead of growing up, because it also gets more windy up there, and yeah. it's just it's just hotter because you're getting bigger, you're exposing yourself more and more to the sun.
1: And you're saying also there's less humidity, so there's yeah. not that, that natural water in the air exactly, that might, yeah. you might soak in. It's
2: already super dry. Yeah. Um, that creates, and you can see this all over the world in any sort of deserty area, where the trees don't get tall. They just don't get really tall. right? Sometimes cactus do, but they're very, very small in terms of what they do. They're like this big pillar, but they're a completely different story. The Dracaena and Acacia and a lot of oak trees and our thorns and other kinds of desert dwelling things, Uh they will grow up and they will have... A similar kind of growth habit, just in terms of the umbrelleness of our tree. Where again, I should actually, we should have said this at the very beginning. If you haven't Googled this tree already, just go give it a Google. Oh, yeah. The pictures are stunning and they're just like, they're some of the most fascinating looking trees there ever is.
1: It's a real aesthetic pleasure.
2: Yeah, it totally is. So it grows up and it has this growth form of very umbrella like. It looks like a, a pin cushion that's perfectly flat. And it doesn't do this because of things eating it, it doesn't do it because of anything. It just grows really tightly, creates a lot of intense shade directly underneath it, and grows out really wide, but not high. Yeah. And that is the important thing. And a bunch of species do this. The The acacias and savanna trees in Africa, again, are a great example, where they have really long, wide-spreading branches, but nothing that grows up too high.
1: Casey... I'm, I've made a connection here, and I don't know if yeah. this is relevant at all. Well, let's find out. But this kind of reminds me of root structures. Mm, There's yeah. this common misconception that roots grow really deep, yeah. which is incorrect. They, uh, I, I'm... Painting with a really broad brush. Yes, here, it's mostly those
2: those temperate trees in our in our forests in anywhere that is well mostly anywhere even in the tropics. Yeah, You're they right.
1: they don't grow down. The roots don't grow down more than a few feet. Yeah, but they grow out really far. because yes. it's easier. So is that sort of what's happening here? These yeah. these, these plants don't grow up because it would be harder. So they just grow out instead.
2: They can get everything they need by growing out. Yeah, yeah. They don't need to go up, and in fact, the further they go up, the worse things get for them. There you go. The higher they go, the more wind there is and the more desiccation happens to their leaves. So if they stay really low, there's not quite as much hot wind. They stay a little bit cooler, and they get the benefit of shading uh, the ground right beneath their stems.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I, that maybe answers my next question: was why not why grow at tall at all?
2: Yeah, that's that is a very good question. Why grow tall at all? My bet would be that if you can grow tall and grow up, you kind of take your way yourself away from any grazing animals. Goats would be the thing that I would think of. I see. So you want to grow up just to get a little bit, um, but also if you grow up a little bit, you can still like get above the fray for everything else that's around you, mm. um, and it might just be. That's what they do. They grow up. That's where they have that meristem that is growing. It's at the top. So it just has developed this where we grow upness. But then again, why is a tree strategy a good strategy? This This is a very good question. Which goes back to another part of this, which is why are these trees here in the first place? And as we talked before, they have this um, this old relicness to them, where you look at these photos, you're like, there's a desert, and then every now and then there just looks like an open parasol out in the middle of nowhere, and you're like, what? Why are they? Why are they growing like that? Why are they growing here? And it's very likely that these are a relic population from a group of trees that used to grow all over North Africa, the Hmm. Mediterranean, the Middle East, all through into uh, India and southwest Russia and all the sort of area that we now call like, you know, you look on a, a map that's centered around Europe, as most of them are. That whole area used to have species like this. Two um, species from Europe they found that have been extinct. One, they, they found them from pollen grains. So one was in Bavaria and the other was in, I think, southwest Russia. So, they found these trees and they're thinking, well, maybe way back when there used to be, uh, and this is before the Sahara Desert even existed,
1: hmm.
2: when conditions were way more tropical. And you could have trees that say, well, I need to grow up because if I don't, all these other dumb shrubs around me are going to outcompete me. So, I need to start growing up and getting high. So, this tree at some point developed the ability to have this growth pattern, which is spectacular. It's like tree fractals, yeah, and I just you can't help but look at it because it looks it looks like a fractal, which is just like a really amazing like it's it's so satisfying as a human to look at just patterns repeating themselves over and over and over and over, yeah, man. this tree has that, but then it has that weird pincushion like top. So it's very likely that this tree developed its growth pattern millions of years ago, like in the Cretaceous or before, where it had to be a little bit higher. Now, if you are a tree and you're trying to successfully grow out and fight everything that is around you, it actually pays to grow up and grow out. So if you grow up and you grow out, you end up, competing against the things and you get your space and your sunlight. Mm. So if that's what you do, and then you start growing up, you're having a great time, everything's really great, slowly but surely the climate starts to change and you have to adapt to that. The trees that grew up but also were very compact ended up competing better because they didn't grow too tall, not not a single inch taller than they had to, but they also could only get uh or could shade the area around them so their space was was perfectly made into their own microhabitat that they made themselves yeah so that is that probably what happened where that that would explain why they grow the way they grow because they essentially evolved in one situation and now just adapted that to a new situation i see but the growth pattern of these trees is what really has gotten a lot of people like Amazed about them because you can see this happen, like I said, with the acacias and everything else. But this is a monocot that developed that same growth pattern, which is unlike any other growth pattern that you'll see. It's almost a unique to this kind of tree. There's a couple others that do this, another euphorbia species or a species in the euphorbia, you know, grand family of plants. That did this same thing, but you only see very few that have this Y shape, so it's just a Y on top of a Y on top of a Y, with an I over here, then a Y on top of that I.
1: Specifically monocots that do that? Because dicots do that, Yes, dicots
2: do that all the time, but they don't necessarily do that as perfectly.
1: Right. This is a very, I mean, it looks like it it was drawn with like, you know, uh, a drafter's Tools. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's
1: it's very, it's very kind of, uh, unnatural.
2: Yeah. And I'll give you an example, Alex. Um, the ash tree is a dicot that does this. It is in the genus Fraxinus I'm specifically talking about. They are oppositely budded trees. So those oppositely arranged buds are also going to be the opposite arrangement of the twigs that grow from those buds. So if you're looking at an ash tree, an ash tree has the same kind of style where it has one single stem that comes up that then branches into two stems. Mm -hmm. Then each one of those stems branches into another two stems. The biggest difference is that in the ash tree or the dogwood or the maple, but you can see it really clearly with ashes, again, genus Fraxinus. Those ash trees will grow up, split, but then maybe one splits towards the center of the crown, so it doesn't get a lot of light. The one on the other side split towards the outside of the crown, it gets a lot of light, so it keeps growing robustly, but then the one on the inside ends up dying and you only get that one on the outside that continues. And then years go by, years go by, and you can't even see that little like vloop where it came out from the main stem. Yeah. You just see kind of a a, a little S curve and then the branch comes out. Right. And you would never know that, well... Forty years ago, there was a Y right there, but only half of that Y has survived, and now that is the big branch that we see today. Mm. The uh, Dracaena trees, are dragon blood trees, they grow really slowly, and they don't grow really big, and they stay very tight and compact, and they only grow the very outset. But because everything grows at the same time, all their leaves come off, then they grow this new bit. Those are all happen at the same time. So they're all growing equally up and out. So you don't end up getting these, this side died, this side didn't die. You tend to always get both sides of the Y surviving Hmm. because they're always growing right next to each other. I see. One's not shading the other out. And that is because they only do that growth at the very tip of each one of those individual buds. What a
1: curious
2: It's so curious, Alex. I think it's a perfect way to describe it. And it's it's you can see this again, like in, in a few other species they'll have this um dracoid habitus, but it yeah. is named after these trees, literally saying the habit of the Dracenia or the the dragon tree. Oh,
1: this is used to describe other trees' growth patterns yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh that's cool. But
2: only a few because most of them don't exhibit that exact pattern. In longevity, they do it. Like I said, the ash tree may exhibit it for a little while, but then it'll end up kind of falling away and you won't be able to see it after 40, 50, 60, 100, 200 years of these trees growing. Okay. So that's that's what it is. And it's indicative of not only the habitat, but also where it came from, but also just the uniqueness of this particular species of plant where it grows in this very specific way.
1: Well, Casey, you know I love a unique tree. I know you do. And speaking of my feelings for a tree...
2: Oh, wait. What are you going to do next?
1: Well, Casey, I propose that you and I give our review of the dragon blood i think that sounds
2: like a great idea alex
1: here's how it works while well, we just turned into like a <laughs> we just turned into professionals for three seconds for and I, three seconds i couldn't handle it so i had to shine a light <laughs> so on we, it sorry yeah
2: we have to be like whoa, whoa so we are not professionals here <laughs> what are we talking about uh, we're gonna give it some final
1: thoughts on this cool tree and then <laughs> give it a rating of zero to ten golden uh, we, well, we can't do let's, do. let's Let's go ahead and do golden cones.
2: I think we should do golden cones. I yeah. think that's very fair. Okay,
1: of honor. Casey is our resident expert. We'll begin. Yeah. with you.
2: So I I love this tree. I I've wanted to talk about it for a long time, and so this is yeah. really just an excuse for me to do a deep dive. And I've read through a bunch of different papers on this tree. Mm-hmm. They're fascinating in every regard. They're fascinating because of their their sort of cultural stain power where people still see these trees and, like, revel. We still will go to a cosmetic store and buy, like, dragon blood resin because it's good for us or we have this um, – we, we know that we need to take it. We also have this, like, really unique biological and uh, kind of evolutionary path that a tree has taken. Yeah. And then, aside from all these other things, you can give it, okay, you got a thumbs up here, you got a thumbs up there. You look at the tree and you're like, whoa, whoa. That is sick. Like, that's a cool-looking tree. It has everything that is fascinating about it, except, you know, technically, we're not going to call it a tree. I will just... I disagree. This is, I think the most tree-like tree you can almost ever imagine.
1: The t- yeah. most tree-like non-tree?
2: Yes, yeah, I think that's fair. That'll okay. be what we're going to call it. Um, but I'm going to give the dragon blood tree like 8.5 out of 10 nice, gold pounds. Yeah. Because this thing, it grows in some of the most harsh conditions. Um, and also, um, uh, Socotra, Socotra Island is a um, UNESCO World Heritage Site. Oh, no kidding. Because it's been, it was like this, this whole, uh, the, the, ancient development of this ecosystem. Yeah. Like way back when, when this tree was growing in a completely different way, it then just sidled its way off of Africa, though it's still on the African plate and developed this ecosystem. Essentially, Completely cut off from the rest of the rest of the world, mm. so it's got this really unique set of flora, and then the people who live there basically uh, they went there like three thousand years ago and kind of got themselves in balance with the ecosystem, and it's been that way ever since. Wow! So like the whole ecosystem is really unique and it's protected and it's gorgeous, and these trees are the centerpiece of it. So I I'm easily eight point five at a out of ten. I mean, it's just it's an incredible tree. Wonderful. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get 8.6. Just get 8.6, Alex. Wow. Just, just from looking at it. It's just, yeah, it just keeps moving me up.
1: <laughs> 8.6 Golden Cones of Honor. I'm going to stop you there before you go any higher.
2: 8.7, Alex. <laughs> oh, no. You Casey, gotta stop me. He's out of control.
1: <laughs> 8.6 Golden Cones of Honor for the Dragon Blood from Kizzy
2: Alex. Yeah. What do you think? Because if there's one tree that I think could like hit you where it aesthetically pleases. Oh, yeah, baby. This is this has gotta be it. This
1: is uh this is a real winner yeah. if you're a fan of nice looking things. Um, I love how unique it is. I love the name. I love its namesake. It's blood red sap.
2: Yeah. Oh my god.
1: Um I almost forgot about that because of all the other cool shit that we learned about it today.
2: Hey, that's always nice. Yeah,
1: it's a nice little, nice little bonus at the end. Um, I like its importance culturally. I love a culturally important yep. tree. Yep. Uh, I love a mythological tree, which this is.
2: Yes, honestly, I I really want to learn more about the the mythology of it. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. Maybe we
1: should do a little Patreon bonus hey, episode that's what on it. talking about. Oops now we have to <laughs> um yeah i love that it it's uh prolific in in the me, in the medical arts mm-hmm. uh
2: so like if this was going if this tree was going to university it would be like one of those like 19th century university students that get like six degrees in a matter of three years yeah like, well, they're actually a phd in literature and they're a medical doctor yeah in their spare time, they got a botany degree, so yeah. what are they going to do uh, in their spare time? <laughs>
1: it only cost them $300. <laughs> it
2: only cost them $300. Oh, God.
1: Uh, man, I am really feeling a 9.0 for this 9.0. tree. 9.0. I just, yeah. I
2: totally feel that.
1: And I, I like your, I like what you said, or what I made you say, that it's the most tree-length non-tree.
2: Yes. I think it's fair.
1: I think it's like an honorary dicot.
2: Ooh. Um,
1: uh, and it's an honorary tree.
2: It makes me feel really good.
1: With honorary cones. Yeah, there you have
2: exactly. it. Exactly. Everything about this tree is honor.
1: That's right, Casey. Casey, that was our review of the Dragon Blood. It's time for our completely arbitrary Q&A. This week's question is from Crystal Adams. This one jumped out at me, Casey.
2: Okay, what do we got?
1: Crystal writes, Hello, Alex and Casey. Hello, Hello, Crystal. I've My seen course. a few albino, you heard me right, coastal redwoods. Oh, yeah, In California. And curious if there are any other common species that albinoism can occur in. Thanks for the podcast. And then I don't understand what Crystal means by this. Windfalling for you guys? Mm. Is that a pun on?
2: It might be. Windfall is, uh, is what happens when a tree gets knocked over by the wind.
1: Oh, so it's a pun.
2: I think it's a pun, but also we're windfalling for you, too.
1: Casey, what do you think? Uh, albinoism in trees. That is, is there... a very good question. I, I had to Google this, and I was stunned that it's a thing.
2: It's amazing, isn't it?
1: Yeah. What it's hap- what's happening, and are there any other species that it's common in?
2: So there are. It, it isn't a, a, the world's most common thing that happens, but essentially what this is is a mutation in the tree that makes it not be able to grow any amount of chlorophyll. Okay. Which is, for those of you who are interested, chlorophyll is the pigment inside the chloroplasts which produces uh, the ability for the tree to make light.
1: And it makes the color, it makes plants green.
2: Exactly. It is a pigment. Yeah. So it absorbs all the other light spectrums except for green and reflects that back to you, which is why it appears green to us. Right. All the other spectrum of colors get taken in. And a quick Google will bring you to a, um, a Wikipedia page called albino redwood. And I only say that you should click on that because uh, you can see it looks like snow covered um, redwood but it's not like it looks fake it looks like a redwood tree that you'd get at the at a, a Kmart because you want a plastic christmas tree yes. or something It's exactly what it looks like, but it's 100% real. So it's just – it's worth – this is another episode where it's just worth giving a quick Google to see exactly what we're talking about. I
1: also see some pictures here that make it look yellow, but that might just be the color temperature of the camera.
2: Yeah, exactly. But I think it also might be a little bit like it's – there might just be a little bit more – there's some shadows, like you're saying, but there could be – a tiny bit of yellow pigment, because yeah. there's lots of pigments in a plant. Chlorophyll is just the big main one. But, you know, like whenever you see any trees changing colors during fall, those are other pigments, uh, carotenoids and cyanicides or cyanid, uh, cyan colors. What am I thinking? There's another term.
1: Cyanide, case. Cyan- I know.
2: I said that and I was like, that's not the right term. <laughs> Um, so, uh, those are the different, uh, that might just be some remnant, uh, other pigment inside the tree. So it could be, uh, either one is what I'm okay, saying. Okay. I see. However, what this is, is, uh, is at basically, uh, the, at its most basic, it is a mutation in the genes of the tree that make it not produce this. Okay. So there's another thing that you'll surely notice is that each one of these trees is growing on or next to another big green normal tree.
1: Okay. So Ooh, is there some theft going on here? There
2: is. There is. So commonly, um, trees of the same species will graft together in a forest situation. Um, happens with Douglas fir all the time, happens with almost every single species of tree. They will, if their roots touch from one individual to another, their roots will graft together. Yeah. Serves two purposes. One, it helps hold up the other tree. Now you have this big gigantic network of intertwining roots all connected together. If you fall over, I'm going to hold you up and vice versa. The other thing it does is it creates this exchange of nutrients where you basically plug each other into each other, where if I'm crushing it up at the top of the canopy, I'm making all these carbohydrates with my big green canopy, I'm going to send everything down to my roots. All that vascular system is connected, so it's just one big system where everyone just gets a dole of all the nutrients that come in, or not the nutrients, the the sugars that come in. Mm -hmm. So if you got all the sugars you need and you pop up and you are not making anything, any sugars, for all intents and purposes, the trees have no idea. They're just like, yeah, whatever. I, I, this is where my sugars go. They go into this big network. That network then sends it out to everything that's connected to me. Right, and that goes through that gradient that we've talked about before, where essentially if you oh, have yeah. um, a lot of sugary water on one side of a grit of a uh, some kind of barrier and on the other side there's not sugary water the sugar will like osmos and it'll move over across that barrier so that it is in stasis we mm-hmm. have equal numbers on either side so this little white tree is growing it has no sugars to speak of so it is a sink a draw for all the sugars coming from these other trees that it is grafted to and it would not survive without being grafted to another tree
1: this That's, is a. it's important. This is a vampire servant situation. Yeah,
2: I think it kind of is. It's it's like you just have this little parasitic succubus growing off the, the roots or off the base of you.
1: This is not the metaphor I was going for, Casey. Oh, what you were must you going stop for? that sound. Uh, <laughs> <You sounded laughs> it's worse like than the, the walnuts. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I meant. I mean, like you know, a vamp in, in vampire mythology. <laughs>
2: Ooh, tell me more.
1: Uh, you know, they'll have like some, like a servant, a human servant that they'll keep, uh-huh. and they'll they'll draw blood off. Oh, as a, as a go to.
2: Oh, meal as I a didn't dependable
1: source of food. Wow, that would suck. Uh, and they just like they, you know that 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 servant is just like pale and sickly.
2: I see. Yeah, because um, okay. they
1: have little blood.
2: So the real question is, does this happen in other trees? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This does. Okay. It, we typically call it variegation in a lot of other trees. Oh shit, Casey, yeah. there you go. Wow, that's what that is. Yeah, it's generally not. Uh, it doesn't like the trees, they can't survive. So you're not going to see very often it happening in a tree that is like a full big tree right? because it can't make its own sugars. And so if it's not grafted to something else, then it won't really be able to, uh, literally get any food and it will die. So, um, in terms of evolution it's a horrible strategy yeah and generally these trees don't get very big a lot of times people cut them down because they they you know think it's a cool keepsake but then you can't grow them because they will just die so it's kind of a weird situation um but there are other trees that will do this often where they will either have not as dark green leaves uh, a little bit of a um uh A bit of a, we'll we'll say it's a teaser for something we'll certainly cover later, is the Golden Spruce. Have you heard about this, Alex? No. So it is a a book that was written several years ago, and it's all about this particular tree that's called, I believe, Kitty S, is, Is is how you pronounce it.
1: Is it a play on the golden goose?
2: Ooh, it might be, but it is also... Specifically, a golden spruce. Okay. So it might
1: just be really good luck. Just be a really good pun.
2: Yeah, but it doesn't have the same. It's not like a golden goose where it, it produces golden eggs, golden cones. <laughs> yeah, I wish that would be spectacular. The cones are just <laughs> as brown as all the all the rest of them. Oh
1: my god! If we ever discover a tree someday, a conifer that produces golden cones. Yeah. Dude, you and me,
2: (laughs) we got to get it. We got to, like, we
1: have to buy that plot of land. Yeah. And and copyright (laughs) it or something.
2: We copyright this tree and all the trees around it. (laughs) Uh, No, so this is actually about a spruce tree that was growing up in uh, Canada that had. Um, another mutation that didn't make it albino just made it a very golden yellow color. Hmm. Where all the other sicko spruces around it are this bluish green, there's this one tree that was a very bright shade of yellow.
1: I am looking at it now.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a great book. I've only read like snippets and heard a bunch about it. So before we talk any more about that, I'm going to read this book so we can we can give a, a full a full disclosure of the whole situation, which in my understanding is fraught. It's a, it's a story about logging and protests and it's crazy.
1: Yeah. The subtitle for it is a true story of myth, madness, and greed.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a wild Sounds story. Great. So, um, we'll cover that in a future episode when we maybe want to talk about, uh, another kind of tree because sure. I love the sick spruce. Um, so anyway, as it works out, there is a, um, a mutation that happens in trees all the time that basically make their pigment different than their normal pigment. Which, whatever that is, maybe it's sometimes brighter, maybe sometimes it's very dark, maybe it's blue. Um, Then sometimes it's droopy, sometimes it grows very upright. You know, you get all these different mutations. Sure. It just so happens that the albino trees um, are a mutation that basically can't be survived, so it has to be grafted on. Or growing as a mutated sapling off of another tree. And redwoods, as we know, does this all the time. Mm. Redwoods do this all the time. They always get their uh, new sprouts coming up from the base or they graft really quickly and easily to each other. So you tend to get a tree that is growing as a forest unit, in which case, if you are grafted into that system and you add nothing to it because you're this gorgeous, beautiful, beautiful, white, thing then it's like okay there you go you can live in this forest this is a unique ecosystem that is actually able to support an albino growing tree as opposed to another forest ecosystem where maybe you're one of many different species and you can't necessarily graft yourself um, or that tree species doesn't send up shoots that have weird different uh genes you know mm-hmm. anyway i hope that answered the question uh, all metaphors aside yes it does it happens in other trees uniquely it happens in redwoods more often than not and uh it generally is is what we would call variegation in other plants
1: there you have it thank you so much crystal for your question casey i know one other albino tree Ooh, what is it the white tree of gondor oh
2: my god it absolutely is and you know what it was beautiful
1: oh wow yeah it's dead now it will be again (laughs) uh if you have a question for us about trees Email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod at gmail.com. If you wish to support this little podcast, please do so on the Patreon, patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. Join the Arboretum for five bucks a month. You get two bonus episodes about other related topics and trees or the Cone of the Month Club. Mm -hmm. You get a unique die-cut cone sticker sent to you every month, illustrated by an independent artist printed here in the great city of Portland, Oregon. That's right. And check out the new t-shirt, the Douglas Fur T. arbitrarypod.com slash merch. Get yours today. I was going to say before they run out, but we have inv- yeah, uh, I was infinite say. inventory. Yeah, visit. yeah, yeah. It will so never run out. We need to create a sense of urgency, Casey. I've heard <laughs> this is good in marketing. <laughs> yeah,
2: you're right. <laughs> uh, everyone, quick. <laughs> yeah, do it now.
1: <laughs> Some gorilla urgency.
2: Yeah, there it is. <laughs> um,
1: Casey what a tree i i I enjoyed this conversation um and i am glad we covered this tree
2: yes me too
1: um even though it goes against everything we hold dear
2: that is very true however next week alex we have one more tree
1: you're fucking kidding
2: me one more tree that we're gonna cover because everything good comes in trees ah thanks for listening this week's episode of completely arbitrary we'll see you next time bye oh man that was so good Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp.
1: Our artwork is by Gillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals.
2: And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash Pod,
1: And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening.